Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in. It is another edition here of Sox on Tap After Dark, the second this week that we are bringing you here. This one, an absolute route, slay in the bay, as the title reads. Tony, White Sox defeat the A's, 14-2, open the series. How are you feeling about that? Hey, man, I just want to make sure that somebody called the police and reported the massacre that took place in Oakland tonight, because I'm worried for the Oakland A's safety at this point in time. This was a, this was this was a massacre, man. Absolute massacre. I loved it. This is Tony exactly what the doctor ordered. Um as good as that win was to close out the series in Seattle that you and Steve and I uh discussed on a 69 mega edition of Socks on Tap yesterday. Um it was stressful, right? This one, from the very get-go, very onset, they hashtag set the tone, and there was never a doubt in my mind, uh, especially with Cease on the bump tonight. No, uh, never a doubt. I mean, some could say that the game was unfriggin' believable. That's kind of where I'm at with it, Johnny. Well said to that man just off to your uh, your left there. Yeah, he's Hawk's here. Hawk is in the building. Yeah. Hawks in the building. He's he here. Loved, he's here he, tonight. Oh, he, he would have loved this. He would have loved that. He would have loved all of the put it on the board calls. We had plenty of them, Tony. We'll get to all of that uh, and how that went down. Overshadowed, too, uh, the guy that I just mentioned there, um, uh, Dylan Cease, as well. well. We'll get into all of that. But before we do, uh, listeners, I know we got a couple in here already, but join the comment section. You can do that by going and subscribing to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube and liking the Facebook page. That's ONTAP Sportsnet as well. Uh, drop your comments from there because, unfortunately, we cannot see the ones that come through via Twitter that we do appreciate our viewers over there as well. Um, other than that, Tony, it's about time to dive in. And this was a theme that we talked about on yesterday's show when we were previewing this four-game set in Oakland. And we had said it was Elvis Andrews' revenge game times four. Elvis Andrews' revenge series after being released from the A's. What does he do? He goes out there, uh, very first batter of the game, in the leadoff role once again, and he jacks one deep out to left field. That had to feel good for him in his return to the Bay. Hey, maybe we needed Elvis all year to set the tone. Maybe that's all we needed. Right here, right there. This is the thing that we have been asking for. Set the tone right off the bat. Elvis Andrews. Guy's had so much praise on this show. I think he's had a lot of praise throughout uh, White Sox Twitter. He's had a lot of praise throughout White Sox fandom. Then, not only is it Elvis Andrews, Johnny, the next play, and I don't mean to steal the play-by-play here. You get Yohan Moncada back-to-back home runs, right off the right off the bat. 
cool and fucking tough, John. Yeah, it's exactly it, what you want. That set the tone to nothing. That would have you want to talk about game winning hit came in the second fucking at bat of this ball game. That's that's cool and tough shit right there. Yeah, dude, it was very refreshing to see. Like I mentioned at the top, just exactly what the doctor ordered because that right there puts it a you know never a doubt status uh, in that, especially when you have Dylan Cease going on the bump uh, because you know the ridiculous streak uh, that he's been on in terms of earned runs allowed. We'll get to him in a little bit, Tony, but I think we should keep the focus on the offense because that was a hashtag set the tone uh, first inning. They they would keep scoring early. And often in this one, uh, you you get Elvis Andrews doing it again, top of the second uh, with an RBI single. And Yohan Mankata, that same wrecking crew, uh, doing it big early in those first two innings. Uh, first multi-home run game for Yohan since uh, 2019. And I think you have a little guest here to bring out uh, now that we're on the subject of Yo-Yo. Where's he at? Boy. Where's he at? Where's who at? Your guest. My guest. Yeah. I've got a guest here. Isn't he off to off to your left as well? Oh yes, he is. I've I've got to find him. He's 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 a little late to the party, Johnny. He was uh Ooh, yeah. yeah. He was he was he was clubbing it up for a minute. Just cl- just right. clubbing it up. Clubbing baseballs and, and clubbing and, it up quite literally, yeah. Yeah, there he is. Look at him. Right there. Might not look like him. Might look like Danny Mendick. We had we had some debate here, but Johan Mancata is in the house as well, right here. Just just recently back from Northwest Indiana, he's ready to hit baseballs and hit bombs and hit dingers. And man, we're just joined by a full crew. We got Hawk. We've got Johan Mancata. We just don't have NWI Steve, and we'd have basically most of indiana in the house tonight at socks on tap well we do have the 69 mega in the house in the comment section here so go go join these uh you know uh these rowdy bunch uh this motley crew uh that we have in here once again on tap sports side on youtube and facebook uh go and drop the comments in there join that but Tony, you had an interesting uh tweet out there about yohan mancata and this we need to break off into this discussion because it was something that um i think is a very valid point here and when it comes to Yohan Mankata, I believe you had said these are the types of games you expected much more frequently upon trading Chris Sale for him and Michael Kopech. Yeah, honestly, Johnny, I mean, this is a guy that uh, was sold to me as a phenom. This is a guy that was the headliner of a trade that sent a future Hall of Famer and now World Series champion and one of the best pitchers that I've ever watched throw a baseball off of the mound at 35th and Shields for the Chicago White Sox. This was a guy that everybody showed up to the ballpark the day he was called up and gave him a standing ovation when he took a walk. This is this is the the guy in the rebuild. And I want more of this. I want more of the Yohan Moncada where you get to talk about really cool and tough things that he's done on a baseball field in a White Sox uniform more often then debating whether or not this guy is a bust or if he's a, one of the greatest baseball players uh, that the White Sox have ever seen because he had two great weeks at defense and the bat was strong. No, give me the full, complete fucking package. Right. Give me Yohan Moncada, multiple home run games. Give me Yohan Moncada, four-plus RBIs, steal the show, be the superstar that you know that you can be Yohan Moncada. I want this more often, Johnny. In fact, 
this was one of the first times I've really felt like, holy shit, like this guy is going to be on the highlight reels and a star on MLB Network tomorrow because he fucking showed up and he did damage. Yeah, showed Just up. Irreparable and, damage. Yeah, sh- showed up and showed out, right? Um, I think that's what we've been wanting to see on a consistent basis. Obviously, that was kind of the crux uh, of your tweet there. I will go ahead and say in that, um, you know, Yohan Moncada has been a solid defender. However, defense, unfortunately, just isn't as sexy. And you can't, sure, you can have some figures that can measure the impact in terms of defensive runs saved uh, and their defensive value, um, your fielding. So you can go a number of different ways there. And he's been pretty damn solid there. So I will give him the kudos there. However, um, with his bat, what we saw in 2019, right? That's what we were, when we saw that, we were like, all right, this keeps the train. If he keeps rolling on this train, on these tracks, then we're in to have a pretty goddamn solid baseball player on our hands. And then you're kind of getting closer to that. Maybe not complete fulfilling the phenom status as he was dubbed uh, by many coming out of Cuba there. Um, But you you were definitely approaching that and obviously being a very valuable winning baseball player there. Um, I just wanted a couple of figures entering tonight. He entered this game with a 65 weighted runs, creative plus. And then he also had, uh, a three, a 0.3 F four, but that was carried mostly by his defensive value. And uh, I just wanted to point those out because it shows you where the expectations were and then where the performance was, especially at the plate. And then it also factors in how much the defense has kind of floated him on that and kept him in some good graces there, because I know it's been injury riddled. I know there's been uh, certain things that, you know, maybe you couldn't control the COVID sort of stuff at the beginning of 2020 and stuff. But when we're talking about this year, he was supposed to be an X factor. If you remember our all-star break special, you and me and Steven got on this show and we had talked about him and Yasmani Grandal, and unfortunately Grandal not being there uh, as well. But I really hope going forward now, we, we can't do anything about what's already been played, but going forward, you really have to hope this is a confidence builder. And this is something that gets him on that sort of kind of rock star mode sort of status through the end of the year. Agreed. Hey man, I'm just, I was lost when you brought F4 and all these other fancy numbers into the top of topic of conversation here, Johnny. I think that your statistical analysis and breakdown is almost warranted uh, you a new nickname that I haven't even thought of yet, but that was that was some hashtag analysis that you did there, and, and you broke it down very well for the listeners. I'm I'm very happy with that, but I tend to agree with everything that you said thereafter. But man, I I I was just lost in awe with how statistical you went there. It kind of just tripped me up. Yeah, tripped I, me up a little bit. I think it's a little unconventional for socks on tap after dark. But after I saw, you know, the first one was good and that was a good jump start. But what really got me to is when he started piling up the hits and right when he had five tonight. I believe if we go back and look at the box score, I think he was five for six. Uh, I want to say, yeah, five for six, scored three runs, uh, five RBI, and then obviously had the two long balls in there as well. So once he got up to like that four, obviously the second home run and then the four or five hits there, that's when I really wanted to dive in and do that. And it just goes to show you that it's been, you know, lacking. But then on the flip side, you go and look at a game like tonight and how quickly he can break things open like that because one of those was a three-run shot, I believe. I know the first one was solo, but the second one, three-run shot and obviously multi-home run, Multi-run home runs are cool and tough. We know that. It shows you how the kind of game-breaker X-factor he can be, which we had been longing for all season, but then especially since the All-Star break when we really broke that down. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, it, honestly, this was his his best game that I think I've seen in a White Sox uniform, arguably. Um, that's X-Factor-ish. And I know you're not going to get this kind of production every single day out of Johan Moncada. In fact, we've watched basically here uh, most of a full season where you haven't gotten that. But I think what you're seeing right now is – a, number one, a more healthy version of Yohan Moncada, Johnny. He looks interested. Right. He looks bought in. He looks uh, like a guy that doesn't want to be at home in October. He looks like a guy that wants to lead and wants to be in that spotlight. And, and that's a really good sign. And I think that yeah. even before the latest injury, you started to see some flashes of that. Houston Houston series, yes, right? Yeah, The Houston series is exactly what I'm going at. I think that you've got a, a really good version of Johan Moncada right now. And I think you, you want to go back to the X factor talk, right? He can do it. I, I want to see it for longer. And obviously I don't want to see him just plunge off the deep end here for a guy that had a whole lot of struggles over the last couple of years. This is very encouraging to see. Yeah, and I think uh, the the health is big there too because um, you, you could tell even in that uh, Baltimore, even though he had a couple of hits in that game that he exited, as soon as the hamstring goes, uh, you could just see the kind of dip in sort of the, um, I don't know, kind of swagger that he has, right? Um, and when you have that, combined with a little bit of stability as well. Remember, he's been in the two spot here uh, since returning. I know he didn't play in the first game uh, Monday when they were in Seattle, but after that, he's been in the two hole there. And now even against a left-handed pitcher tonight, uh, keeping him up there and doing some damage uh, from the right-handed side of the plate. Um, I, I think that's all just encouraging stuff. And obviously we all hope this can continue. Um, like you said, you're not going to get, you know, five hits. <laughs> multiple you know five plus rbis uh every game two plus home runs every game but man he should be in uh, the if shoot. he can every, yeah. every time if, johnny every it, time that is he set the bar today right yeah it, it, you, we know what he can do uh, let's go and see more of it all right uh we can't just have the yoan mancata show here because uh, a guy that needs some attention uh is romy gonzalez and he had himself a game as well um he also put one a three-run shot out uh, later in this game as well and uh, looking at his he he was even piling up the hits a little bit uh right basically right toe and toe uh with, with Moncada he went four for five tonight three RBIs uh scored three runs himself as well he did strike out once but um Romy Gonzalez very very nice we we had talked about obviously Elvis Andrews stepping up in the absence of Tim Anderson however seeing Romy Gonzalez do it um, he's earning himself some playing time there at second base and um, rightfully so. And the bat's starting to go, which I think it took a little bit for that to be a thing. He was more kind of, you know, every once in a while uh, with the bat and more consistently defensively. Um, but now seeing this, White Sox need to be firing on all cylinders. And if you get a role guy like that going, that can only mean good things going forward. It absolutely does. And Johnny, I already saw some of the talk coming uh, on the uh, the old twitter.com, what do you do with Larry Garcia, Elvis Andrews, uh, Josh Harrison, uh, when Tim Anderson comes back? And, and Romy Gonzalez is kind of that odd man out here, but he's making it real hard uh, to say that he doesn't deserve to be in this lineup. And these are good problems. I want to I want to sit Absolutely. here and, and acknowledge that this is a good problem to have. This isn't, I don't know who's going to play right field. This isn't for the first time in a while. Let's go back to a couple months ago. 
we didn't know who was going to be playing second base because there were certain people out there, close friends of mine, that thought that Josh Harrison should be DFA'd. Right. There was and, a case to be and, made and, at the time. And, and and now we're here. That's a good problem to have. It's right. a very good problem to have. And that speaks volumes to the work that Romy Gonzalez is doing, the work that Elvis Andrews is doing, the work that Josh Harrison has done to be better. That's a good problem. It absolutely and and, and yeah. if you if you want to go down the Romy Gonzalez path, I don't know. He still might have the short end of the stick if you're going right. to ask me here, Johnny. Right. But he has given this ball club everything that he can and more, and that's what that's what it takes to win ball games. Right? Yeah. Is that kind of depth? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's kind of you know a thing that we had talked about, and it was depth players, right, stepping up last year, helping carry the load when the White Sox had still they did still have some major injuries even early on in the season when they amassed at one point in early June. Uh, I guess late June at that point, the best record in baseball, right? There were the Billy Hamiltons of the world, the Brian Goodwins of the world. Well, we hadn't seen that a whole lot this year. It's nice to see a guy further down on the depth chart like a Romy Gonzalez. I hope he just keeps forcing the issue here. That's going to be my uh, sort of key for him over the next couple of weeks because I still believe we are about two weeks out from the earliest Tim Anderson could return uh, just based on that timeline and also not hearing anything of him getting going throwing and sort of stuff like that. I know he was kind of fielding some white, uh, you know, work ground balls, just kind of barehanded doing some things. Um, th- there hasn't been any real major ramp up. So uh, Romy still got a little bit of time uh, to go in, out there and prove it. All right, Tony, something that was, uh, I guess, while we're still on offense here, let's go. We, we had an Eloy Jimenez bomb and I think our guy, W.I. Steven, have a piece or two about that out there um overall not the same numbers as some of these other guys had um but it's nice to see Eloy go deep in back-to-back games here I love Eloy home runs I think they're just some of the most majestic home runs that you can see hit Um, effortless yeah they look effortless I do want to say though Johnny I, I may have sustained an injury in my living room trying to emulate uh his his batting stance at, at one point here uh in the last five or six hours I, I just don't think that you can turn your knee the way that he does in the batter's box it makes absolutely no sense to me but you know if you can hit home runs it doesn't matter if your foot is completely pointed backwards when you hit him 400 plus feet I just, I don't understand it. I, I wish that he would run a little faster to first base still. Like there were still some times in this ball game where I was like, Hey, I need more production out of you. But as Steve and I discussed with Yasmani Grandal the other night, if you park him over the fence, you don't have to sprint. And right. Eloy Jimenez has been doing that more often than not in these ball games. And I think that that's very important because a, we like home runs and B, I think it takes a little bit off the legs. Absolutely, it does. And that's, you know, with Eloy dealing with some of that soreness that we've seen uh, him exit games early for those, uh, sit out a a couple of other contests um, due to that kind of general soreness that did uh, kick in as he was on that rehab assignment. Remember, there was a startup, shutdown, comeback. um, And then even when he came back, uh, still dealing with that. There were a lot of people writing him off at that point in time. I'll I'll admit it. I said anything you would get from him is gravy. Well, that gravy is tasting real good right now. Hey, 
that's one of the best parts of the Thanksgiving meal, Johnny. Yeah, is, it is. is the gravy. It, it really is. So, yeah, keep, keep that stress off the legs. Keep hitting the ball in the ballpark and doing a nice jog and waving high to your mom, Eloy. Uh, we love seeing that. So, overshadowed by this. Um, it, all right, one last note on the offense here. You had a negative 26 run differential entering the night, um, and now you're up to negative uh, 14, which obviously we want to be in the green here. However, that was a big chunk knocked off. I know that's a big stat that comes off. And uh, I thought at one point they were going for for it all, uh, go to even or better in this game. It looked like that early. It it absolutely did. And obviously the late run hurts here. But, um, hey, man, when you cut your run differential like that in one night, that's, that's, that's good signs for the offense. Now, more often than not, and I know we're not talking about tomorrow yet, but more often than not, we've seen this White Sox offense show this this type of flash and then and then come out flat the next day, uh, at least it feels like. But it's nice to know what you're capable of. Like, honestly, I think it's really nice to know what you're capable of. And you, you saw an example today and why it was so frustrating when this team was losing uh, games to teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, just about a week ago and and even go back throughout the season and, and look at some Kansas City Royals games. You got to be able to go out there and just absolutely massacre your opponent bum with slay. this. Yeah, bum slay with this type of offensive force. You see all the really good teams do it. It's fun. It's It's really fun to watch your baseball team basically have batting practice against a lower level opponent because it's it's basically like just getting to watch your team assert dominance for right. a couple of hours johnny and that's that's the essence of sport yeah i i love when the white Sox are in control it makes me really happy yes. and they were from the get-go tonight so um moving on we got a couple of topics then we will get to that game uh, when you're talking about possible letdowns all of that for friday evening but um, before that, we got a two uh, topics that I do want to hit on. One overshadowed. Um, it was Dylan Cease having yet another really, really solid outing. Tony, he goes six innings, three hits, zero runs allowed, uh, two walks, nine strikeouts. I know it, it is a, you know, A's team that's already eliminated from the playoffs, but you do have to go out and play the opponent that is lined up in front of you every day. And Dylan Cease took care of business with yet another start and, and the, you know, no Runs allowed, obviously, keeping that earned run uh, sort of ridiculous stat in line over the stretch of however many starts. I believe it was 19. Uh, he's up there with some of the you know uh, greats to do it. Um, it was encouraging to see and that there was no possibility of Oakland ever even squeaking back into this thing. Hey, yeah, I mean, uh, you want to talk about Dylan Cease. That's an excellent follow-up to what was almost a no-hitter on Saturday. Um, could have been a trap game for this team. I said it last night on the show. I was never more comfortable going into Oakland than with Dylan Cease coming into this series and setting the tone for the White Sox. The offense made so much noise that you're right. It kind of overshadows his efforts here, but he didn't play down to his opponent. He never let them get any sort of traction or footing or or claw back in. You can normally see some teams claw back in to a, you know, five, six run lead. And you you saw the White Sox do it just the other day against the Seattle Mariners. 
going down early, clawing their clawing themselves right. right back into it. Cease didn't let that happen today, and that was his job. He executed it to perfection. Yeah, right. And I know once again. I know hangover game might be like a topic that you usually talk about in offense, like, you know, something like tonight when you score a bunch of runs and then how is that going to translate over the next day? And I know Gordon Beckham kind of downplayed that and said it was more just about different pitchers that you're facing, whatever. But going off of a pitcher, it's a little bit easier. Yes, because you have the rest in between, you know, the five days um, typically, but it could be a little bit of a letdown. It's a bigger adrenaline rush. Remember, Dylan Cease was pumping yep. up the crowd last we saw him uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field from our suite on Saturday night. And um, obviously coming just the one shy of a no-hitter. Even he said, I listened to just a couple of his comments after, he said even for, I guess, the next day when they interviewed him uh, on the Sunday game, he was kind of disappointed in himself for like two hours after. And then he finally, you know, accepted like the accomplishment for what it was and was proud of himself. Uh, but still like that after it, it's OK, well, how do I even follow that up? Right. The expectations for yourself. Uh, can I be that good again? Well, the stuff still played. Um, I know the command wasn't as crisp as it was uh, in that game against Minnesota. However, still effective enough to get nine strikeouts. So I think that wraps up the story on Dylan C's Tony, we're going to move into a little bit more um, of a spicy topic here. Getting spicy on socks on tap after dark. And that's a possibility of Tony Larusa returning to the clubhouse. So I want to lead in with a comment here. Um, we've heard this. Um, Eloy Jimenez saying it after uh, the game yesterday. You got Yoan today. Our guy Matt dropping this in here says, Yoan asked how it's been in the clubhouse this weekend. He says, it's been good, different. Um, Eloy Jimenez commented a little bit on Miguel Cairo and um, talked about the energy, stuff like that. So we get a report today. John Heyman of the New York Post says uh, that TLR is hoping to return to the Sox as early next week, and he hopes to attend uh, one of the A's, Dave Stewart's um, jersey retirement ceremony on Oakland in Sunday before rejoining the Sox. And then we get a couple conflicting reports. I'm just going to air all this out here. And Sox spokesperson says nothing has really changed. He's continuing to undergo tests uh, until we hear the outcomes. Won't know a timing. Miguel Cairo. Same kind of echo that uh, on the line of the team's spokes spokesperson saying nothing official, wait and see, but he's fine. I talk to him every day. He's doing good. He sounds fine. And that's what we have news-wise on TLR. So I know this has been a kind of hot topic of debate, and there's different takes that float around, and obviously there's different information that floats around, so we don't even really know exactly what's going to happen. But what do you make of this whole situation here? I'll let you have the floor for this one now that all of that is laid out in front of us. I mean, it's it's really hard to make anything out of this situation at this point, Johnny. I mean, there's, there's a comedy of errors, I think, uh, that have taken place throughout this in, entire uh, scenario. Uh, number one being that Rick Kahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, nobody's offered any sort of statement uh, from the high levels of the White Sox organization to address what's going on here. So you, you take that into account. Uh, you take into account there's a, a large recency bias when it comes to baseball and, and even superstition, right? We, we talk about, you know, uh, what, what are you wearing today when the Sox win a ball game and, and that type of thing. So I think a lot of fans right now, uh, personally, uh, I, I don't think a lot of people like Tony La Russa from the get-go, Johnny. Uh, that's just my opinion from what I've viewed uh, and the information that I take in. I don't think a lot of people liked him from the get-go. I think that there's a lot of a lot of hate that gets thrown at the White Sox manager, and 
so you see this kind of vocal group of people saying you don't want Larusa back in. You get reports that say you know he might come back next week. Then on the same side, you hear well none of that's confirmed. The whole situation is just honestly weird. It's 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 wild um, because you can make the case that the the Sox don't want him in the dugout, right? Like there's enough ammunition. Right. There's enough ammunition out there uh, to say that, you know, they're, they're trying to stay away from him on the same side. I think there's just enough ammunition to say that this was a really serious health issue that he was going through and he wants, he wants to come back. He wants to do this the, the same way that you've seen shit blow up in, you know, the Chicago bears news with Roquan Smith. There's tons of disinformation that's out there. You can't make sense of anything with this. That's kind of where I'm at with it, Johnny. If, if I can compare it to something, it's two different camps that are spewing out a bunch of different shit, and nobody knows exactly what's going on here. Would it surprise me if Tony La Russa is back in the dugout managing for the Chicago White Sox next week? No, it wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise me if uh, he doesn't manage another game in a, in a White Sox uniform? No, wouldn't at this point. I'm still kind of here right. on the same notion because all I've heard from our John Heyman, maybe some Bob Nightingale thrown in there, and then Miguel Cairo, Tony LaRusso's boss hasn't said anything. I have no idea what's going on, Johnny. I'm in the dark still. Right. I yeah. don't believe any of it. So, yeah, in terms of actual concrete updates, I just – laid them out that's what we have we have the Heyman report and then we have the White Sox spokesperson I guess kind of response obviously not directly like, but is that the first time they've ever said White Sox spokesperson this, so this was from via Daryl Van Scowen of the Chicago Sun-Times uh he, he had shared that update he said from a White Sox spokesperson but then Miguel Cairo did follow up and essentially say the same thing so there you have it um, with that. But I I guess I just look at that, and I think that's a good point that you make, that there's the the ammunition there. And, right, it's on the table that the White Sox are, you know, kind of turning this thing around, so to say, um, and it coincides with TLR's absence. And then you get these comments, and I think um, there might be something to them. Sure, uh, it's okay to go and be inquisitive about these. However, when a guy is doing a post-game interview, Tony, how many times have we heard hockey guys spew the same lines over and over and over again? And it becomes a just auto, you know, fire for them yep. when they, when they're doing an interview and they don't really want to be there. They just want to go in the clubhouse. I, and I was shower after the game and celebrate with the boys. If it's a win, I was going to say like, that, like the comment, you so, know, like I, and the I, comment I, about Eloy I, saying it's different. It was, to yeah. Me, it's like, tonight, yeah, it's a, yeah. Mancata. It's different. Why? Why is it different? Well, it's it's well, different. We just had for our best win of the season. You just, so, yeah. you just had your best win of the season. Of yeah. course, it's different. You guys have been playing good. You know, I kind of go back and I look at this. This team's been around five hundred the whole year. It'd be one thing if they were twenty games under five hundred and made some incredible run back to me. Like, you know, you and now you've made up 20, 30 games. The AL Central wasn't some sort of juggernaut that they're making a miraculous comeback in. This team was favored to win the division, and they've played around 500 all year. And guess what? They're still right around 500. It's not like they've reached some peak that TLR didn't have them at. 
That's what I I, I kind of get lost there on the other side of this right. argument yeah. where you, you want to say that it's different, but really you've just had one of the same sort of semi ascensions back into near first place. If you're measuring stick and you've said this a couple of times to, to right. say that they're back is they got to be in first place. Well, they haven't even made it there yet. Right. And people are, are literally willing to I, hand Miguel Cairo so, this job when he, he hasn't done shit. Well, so I just I want to just shift just really quick, and this is a little bit more ambiguous, but it's kind of more of an opinion thing. Then, um, is there a different energy in the clubhouse? Like I've said this a million times, I wish we could be a fly on the wall uh, in the clubhouse, dugout, uh, in the bullpen, in the trainers' room, wherever, what what have you, to know the inner workings of the team, how things really go with the ebbs and flows of the season. However, we can't be there, so. Obviously, it looks like it. It looks like there's a different energy, a different shift, a little bit more life. Um, however, that's coinciding with winning. Uh, we saw a couple of games against the Houston Astros early in that series, and TLR was still, uh, uh, you know, in the dugout for those. So it it makes it really hard to judge uh, and say. So I guess this is all you have to go off of is these players' comments. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to them. You shouldn't dig into them at all. However. Um, would they say the same thing regardless of if they were on a, you know, nice, whatever they are like four out of their last five or something like that. If it was earlier in the season when it was still the same sort of, you know, uh, the previous setup with TLR in there, I guess that's where I kind of leave my question marks at. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you've got the same type of comments, Johnny, if, uh, this team was still playing 500 ball over the last week. Uh, they'd still probably right. be giving you the comments of we're still trying to work through it. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, the, the same, we're trying to find that next year. We're trying to click now, obviously if they carry it, which is what we want them to do through the remainder of the season. I think a lot of people out there will say, well, it was Miguel Cairo that got him to click because everybody was waiting all year for this team to turn a corner. And it, it happened during this time frame. I'm not saying that Miguel Cairo doesn't deserve credit for that because he absolutely does. He absolutely does. Yep. He stepped up when TLR was down, regardless if he comes back, whatever, what have you. Absolutely. He, he deserves credit for it. That's good managing. It is. It's good leadership. On the same note, if he went slightly under the record that he has right now, I think that the, the bar is different. This White Sox team had and still does literally has no room for error. And so that's a hard, that's a hard line to walk. And Cairo's been there through it. I think that's where people really want to say, hey, don't let Tony La Russa come back in this dugout. Don't let any of the mojo slip. My counterpoint to that, Johnny, would be, well, are you letting Tim Anderson back into the lineup? And there's there's some tinfoil hat times to be had about that as well, right? Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, I've loved everything I've seen out of Elvis Andrews. I've seen Timmy play some baseball where he looked disinterested and people want to go and say, well, LaRusso was falling asleep in the dugout. Well, 
why is Timmy booting balls at short and not being the leader on the field? I think that that's kind of the same, same, but different, right? One actually might affect things more than the other. On the same note, though, do I want Tim Anderson in the lineup? Absolutely. Do I want TLR back in the dugout? Probably. Do I want to mess with the mojo of the team as it is right now? Absolutely not. I don't. So it's a hard position to be in as a fan. Right. It absolutely is. So I think that that wraps it up. I just wanted to get that out there and have a discussion about it because that's just all we have in terms of reports right now. So we'll keep you updated at ontapsportsnet.com if anything breaks uh, in that development there uh, regarding Tony La Russa. All right, Tony, it's on to the next game here. Second of four in Oakland Friday night. It will be. Lucas Giolito going for our White Sox against James Caprillion, who had himself a nice outing against us back on the south side in late July. So um, expectations for this matchup, do the White Sox keep it rolling? 20-plus runs. That's what we need. You were talking about a run different. What we need. What are we going to (laughs) get? Yeah. What are we going to get? Probably three or four. You know, let's let's be honest. Maybe yeah, did, three did the White Sox blow their lucky. load? Did the White Sox blow their load tonight? That's the question. I, I guess after, it's after dark. Maybe they they you know maybe they need some sixty nine mega and uh, mm. keep it rolling. I don't know, uh, the, Johnny. This is also episode one hundred, isn't it? Are we on episode one hundred? It is. It's Sox on tap after. Excuse me, Sox on tap episode one hundred for season four, and it's also um, you know an after dark edition of it. Hey, cheers to that. Crack them. Cheers. Yeah. Episode 100. I, I, that's why I want 20 runs tomorrow. We can say ridiculous things on episode 100, Johnny. It's it's our right. We've made it past 100 episodes this season of Socks on Tap, so we can throw all the meatball takes out there that we want. I want a positive run differential by the end of tomorrow. That's my that's my meatball take. I'm, I'm looking for it. So that would take them, if you want a positive run differential, I believe that would take them 15 for tomorrow, and that obviously – you need score 15 more than it's tough, you know? Yeah. But it's doable. You, yeah. You need to be plus 15 in the game uh, to get it's, that. It's tough, but it's doable. Right. I, I saw the, the offense go I, off. Today. I think Caprillion presents more of a challenge. So I, I will lower the bar here and say that they're not going to get there. They're going to have to chunk it out through the rest of the series uh, to get above, uh, you know, get, get back in the green. So to say uh, when it comes to the run differential, however, um, I would really hope that they, go and watch that film of what Caprillion did to them um, in that late July uh, outing. And then also Lucas Giolito, man, um, key for him to utilize the breaking stuff because we had talked about this separately. I think you and Steve and I, it was kind of an after session. I wish we had it recording. It was not recording though, but bringing some of that into here, um, the, the two pitch mix, what he relied on so heavily, it's been figured out, right? Uh, it's not the same as it was. And part of that's command. Uh, part of that might be, you know, you could go and argue spider tech, whatever. Um, but regardless of that, you need to have something that looks like the fastball, but then has more movement. That's a slider. I saw him drop a curveball in a couple outings ago too. Hell, you know me. I love good hammer. Um, I would love to see him work that in. Obviously, he's got to be comfortable with it, but at the very least, uh, utilizing that slider, having a nice tight break on it uh, to make it look like the fastball. And even though it is a kind of weak Oakland A's lineup overall, there are still maybe a couple guys in there that can hurt you in in the form of Sean Murphy. Um, Maybe one or two other bats that, that could do some damage against you if they get some guys on so lucas giolito command will be key tomorrow um location for not giving them free passes too that's a thing the bad bad team with a bad lineup don't give them anything easy don't give them the free passes 
Command needs to be sharp. And like I said, I would prefer to see uh, a nice mix uh, with the slider incorporated in there. I think that will be key for Lucas Giolito. As for the offense, keep it rolling. Keep the momentum rolling. Um, I think we'll have a little bit of a different mix in there facing a righty instead of a lefty. But um, you got to feel good after scoring 14 runs, Tony. And I don't care what anyone says about, oh, save some for tomorrow. I think that's just a cliche. I like what Gordon Beckham said on the broadcast in that you feel good at the plate, you feel good. And let's just keep feeling good into Friday night. Hey, I mean, Johnny, the weekend's already started. White Sox offense should party accordingly. Um, Lucas Giolito, kind of the biggest question mark in this ball game. I think you uh, went down his his pitch mix and, and broke that down very well. I, I think that uh, eventually somebody on this White Sox starting rotation needs to develop the splitter. Lucas Giolito, you know, just go – Go hang out with Jose Contreras for a little while and figure yeah. out the splitter. You want something to hey, add to that pitch, pitch mix? He is from Southern California, so he should do some off-season stuff with Shohei if he, you know, when, if he, when he's back from Japan before spring yeah. training. Yeah, figure out the splitter. I don't know why. I just feel like if Lucas Giolito <laughs> somehow, I don't know if he, I don't know if he has the makeup to throw. But who knows? You never know until he guess you fuck around with it. Yeah, add a splitter. No, I'm, I'm just I'm, yeah, I'm we're, we're spit we're spitballing here yeah on, spitballing that's all on, I'm doing I, I don't know Ooh, maybe but, he needs to do the spitball actually ooh, like quite spitball. physically yeah yes yeah get, yeah, get ejected from the game totally legal nice. yeah yeah scuff, get ejected from the game and we get we get like six more innings of Joe Kelly yeah oh lovely lovely all right Tony let's close this thing down for our uh you know Friday night preview with a pick to click obviously uh it's hot hot one to go with Elvis Andrews but do we want to deviate uh deviate from that at all uh for discussion's sake here I think Yon should have like a follow-up like an encore the encore yeah curtain call the encore curtain call yes I'm gonna go Yon all right go Yon haven't done that in a long time we're gonna go Yon Mankata all right. Um, I like that. Um, I will go with a guy that I, I just want to activate him. I want to get him going. I think he'll be back in the lineup tomorrow, righty on the mound. Uh, get a lefty bat in there. Yasmani Grundahl. Um, I'd imagine he's back in some capacity tomorrow. We need him. It, it, we had talked about X factors. And we talked about it a lot with Yohan Moncada. And I know it's late and you're not going to get the same number wise production. However, if he can hit a hot stride of some sort here, um, th- that would be even more beneficial because we're starting to see back-to-back games with home runs for Eli. We're starting to see a big, you know, nice uh, approach from Yohan Moncada since returning from the injured list. He looks healthy. He looks like he's got some mojo to him. I want Yaz to have some of that swagger, drop the bat, you know, get the horns up there. And I got to speak it into existence. He's been my guy. I can't give up on him. I'm just going to let it ride. I'll I'll speak Yaz into existence because I think um, Elvis Andrews, who I'd like to take every game of this series, uh, will continue. Uh, to do what he does, and that's be a consummate professional. So, final Elvis Andrews here. is just kind of the community pick to click, right? At this right. point for the show, yeah. So we can we can all take our wins there, and uh, I, I like your pick though, Johnny. I like your pick. I like my pick. I think the trio of them could go off, right? Yeah, I really hope that's the case. So Just speak uh, it into existence. Yeah, speak it into existence. All right. Um, if you got final thoughts, go ahead, air them out. Otherwise, some housekeeping will get out of here. That was the most fun I've ever had watching the White Sox play in Oakland in probably my entire lifetime. I, I did tweet this out earlier, and I saw a couple of people come back and say uh, 2020 playoffs and all that other stuff. I'm still kind of, I guess – 
scarred by the finale of that series that it like overweighed like any of the positive there. Yeah. Rick Renteria hunched over in the dugout as he trotted out literally the entire bullpen to try and save that start still haunts me. Um, This was the most fun I've had because it was just an absolute bloodbath. It was a massacre. It was bum The White Sox slayed in the Bay, Tony. It was awesome to see. Everyone, thank you for tuning in to Sox on Tap after dark. Go ahead and check us out on Tap Sportsnet, on Facebook, YouTube, on tapsportsnet.com. Sox on Tap on Twitter. And until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox forever.